Welcome to Church Ahead, the weekly Christian podcast talking about big questions facing the future of church with Rev L all the way from the north of England. Episode 5, Big Leave. I've told you about two of the turning points in my early life. Conversion at 12 and deciding to study theology at 14 years. Those changes took me closer to the centre of church life. This third point, turning point I'm going to tell you about today, at the age of 34, was a movement in the opposite direction. This change saw me move away from the church. At 12 and 14, I started walking into the heat of the kitchen. And then 20 years later, I stopped cooking the food, stepped outside and put the heat of the cooker behind me. Looking back on my 20s, it seems so obvious now that I would get ordained and spend years working in paid ordained ministry. There's no dramatic turning point here. Joining the payroll of the church commissioners was simply giving in to the inevitable. I was just walking in a straight line, taking the next step, one step at a time. A theology graduate with my evangelical zeal was never really going to do anything else. But leaving church employment, that was a personal crisis. That was a battle of head and heart, the biggest turning point for 20 years. During my decade working for the Church of England, for most of the time I enjoyed it. I believed in what I was doing. I liked the people I worked with. I liked the people. I liked the parishes I was placed in. I had lots of close friends, most of whom were ordained. I expected to do this until I was an old man. So why give up? Well, first let's consider some of the common reasons for clergy giving up. Fallen out with the bishop or boss? No, I liked them and got on well with them. Lost your faith? No, I still believed. Perhaps, if anything, I believed too much. Taking your ball away in protest at women's ministry? I wasn't thrilled with some of the changes church was making during that period, the 1990s. But no, I don't think that really gets to the heart of what went wrong. What was it then? I was bored. Bored with the day-to-day life of running a parish. I was frustrated that people of my age were usually away from the parish at work when I was trying to work. I didn't like being a chaplain to the retired when I was in my early thirties. I was bored with myself. I was bored with those stories from the age of 12 and 14 that I've told you in these podcasts. Bored with listening to myself talk. Although I'd not lost my faith, I think it was fair to say that I was less excited by it all. The steep curve of learning had flattened off. I began to see what looked like decades of stagnation ahead of me. I looked at the older clergy I knew. They were good vicars. 
but they looked to me spiritually tired and run down. I was reading leadership books by the management guru Charles Handy. We exchanged a couple of letters and he encouraged me to leave because the many clergy he'd seen in later life had lost their souls in the ministry and left it too late to do anything else. His own father was an archdeacon. And there were no more heroes. I was drawn into ministry in my twenties because the men I admired most were in it. But by my thirties, I couldn't really find any great heroes to look up to. People I liked and perhaps respected, yes, but not heroes to look up to and feel inspired by. I've always been a sucker for a clever person with a big vision for something. I remember reading Bill Gates' book, The Road Ahead, in which he sets out his vision for what information technology would do. Now bear in mind that I'm not remotely techie, but I was blown away by the power of his vision for what computers could do and for what he was actually doing in his own company and for the way this thing was going to change all of our lives. And I couldn't help notice the contrast with my diocesan bishop who couldn't set out a remotely inspiring vision for his diocese with hundreds of churches with a budget of many millions of pounds. It felt to me that the people with real vision were outside of church. I went into this thing because I thought this was where God was at work, changing the world for the better. But a few years was enough to convince me there was not very much divine energy in the churches I knew. Let me give you a military analogy. When I got ordained, I thought I was joining the SAS, the most highly trained crack regiment of soldiers. But after a few years, I felt as though I was in Dad's army, a group of well-meaning amateurs going through the motions whilst the real battle went on somewhere else. I felt the kingdom of God was breaking through elsewhere. I no longer felt clergy were God's special agents or stormtroopers, but rather marginal to God's work in this world. Rowan Williams talks about a problem clergy face that he calls the deprivation of witness. It's partly that people no longer believe your testimony about God because they think that what you say is just what you're paid to say. Well, I wanted to be believed. I wanted to be part of the big wide world again. Some clergy learned to handle this tension between church and world better than me. I just felt the tension growing and that I was on the wrong side of the fence. I wanted to work in the big wide world again. It wasn't an easy decision. It was a tortured battle over a couple of years. I went to see a careers advisor. I filled in their forms, went through the interview, and their suggestion was church minister. I knew that if I left, I would lose a way of life that I loved. 
I would lose most of my best friends. I would lose my home provided by the church. I would lose my security in all sorts of ways. Oh, and did I say I didn't really have anything else in particular that I wanted to do? I suppose I had this vague sense I wanted to run my own business. But what business exactly? Let me tell you about some of the struggles I went through in those years. The Battle of Blackburn. I was left in Blackburn for a few hours on a bleak December day while my family went off to the Lake District. I walked around this town, quite run-down place, depressed by every building, street and view. I thought how awful and unredeemably ugly the whole place was. Until in the afternoon, I walked into the Anglican Cathedral. It's probably not one of the greatest cathedrals in the world, or on many tourists' lists. But in that town, it stood out to me as the only place of beauty. The interior of that building was the only thing of any aesthetic merit that my eyes clocked all day. And it spoke powerfully to me of the church bringing something special to places that desperately need it. That was the Battle of Blackburn. The Battle of Manchester. My final throw of the dice to find a church role that would excite me was to try and set up a new church in the centre of my home city for the thousands of people pouring into the new city centre flats in central Manchester. I got the support of the diocesan bishop. I got the support of a Hindu businessman who liked the idea and offered me the use of his city centre restaurant on a quiet night of the week. I was willing to do this work without a salary and to raise my own funding. And then I went to the local clergy chapter and saw the scale of opposition from church people who felt threatened by the prospect of something that might take away their young adults. And so they bogged me down in a never-ending consultation. Now I can do committees, I can do procedure, but I was an entrepreneurial young man who wanted to create something. I think it's very difficult to really create anything in an organisation in overall decline. And then thirdly, the Battle of Wilmslow. My last curacy was in an affluent parish in Cheshire. I had a great time there. But when it was time to go, I wrote a parish magazine article which gave me 15 minutes of fame, unwanted. I really did not want to be a famous clergy person just as I was stepping down and beginning the process of reinventing myself. There's no doubt that this made it harder to step away because wherever I went, everyone knew me as a clergyman. But in the end... It wasn't a battle about the organisation, or even really the occupation. It was a spiritual battle. It was a spiritual meltdown inside of me. A sense that I was on the wrong path, 
because I had got God all wrong. As you know, I often find echoes of my life in pop music. And a couple of years later, I dropped my shopping basket in the cereal aisle of Sainsbury's supermarket Cheadle when I heard the words of a song that I realised immediately expressed what I felt better than I could say myself. I'm embarrassed to say whose song this was. It wasn't a great, profound elder statesman like Bob Dylan, but the boy band dropout, Robbie Williams, and his song that spoke to me so powerfully was called Feel. These are the words that registered to me. I sit and talk to God and he laughs at my plans. I'm not sure about this road I'm on. I've got so much life running through my veins, going to waste. There's a hole in my soul. You can see it in my face. It's a real big place. So I wrote the letter of resignation to the bishop, saying that not only did I not want the job of being a vicar he was offering me, but I didn't want any job in his organisation. The bishop was kind and encouraging. Thankfully, he didn't say good riddance, but talked it out with me kindly and positively. The only thing I think he got wrong was he talked about priestly vocation and said that if I had a real vocation, I would stay. But I left precisely because my vocation was too real to play games or pretend. Has my sense of ordination faded over the past 20-something years? No, not at all. I still see myself as a Christian leader, a Christian thinker, pastor, learner and representative of the church. In some ways, more so. When I was a curate, no one ever came to seek me out and talk about God. When I ran a building company in my 40s, the men who worked for me were always bringing their personal problems and always wanted to talk about God. I'm still involved with church and have played a number of roles in several churches, but I'm no longer at the centre of church life. I think it's my nature to gravitate to the edge of the game and to watch rather than push my way to the centre of the action. I'm more of an observer than a player. And I think it says something about what church is for me. I can't throw myself into it wholeheartedly. I see too many things wrong. But I see too many good things to abandon church altogether and walk away. I think the Christian religion is going through important changes in the Western world. And I see the heart of my ordained ministry as the call to try and understand what's really going on. There are plenty of clergy running around, doing, busy doing the tasks, but not many standing back and taking a really long, hard look. There are plenty of church theologians sweating over little details, but not many trying to describe the bigger picture. 
and I think a bit of distance from the institution helps. And so I see these podcasts as my ministry, just as much as running the youth group when I was a 20-something curate. So how do I view the clergy who are working for the church today? Well, I certainly don't look down on them. If anything, I look up to them as soldiers in a battle I'm not up to. The time when I feel flickers of regret about walking away is when I see clergy doing really simple acts of ministry well. The other week, I watched a local vicar lead a Remembrance Sunday act of placing wreaths of poppies on a war memorial. It was in a crowd of hundreds of people in an affluent village where most people are professionally successful just to live there. And I asked myself, who in that crowd has done any job that week so valuable, so dignified and meaningful as that young vicar leading an act of remembrance and getting it just right? So yes, there are times when I feel the pull of what I was trained to do. But for someone who wants to look at the church and try to understand, I think it's better to stand back a bit. And the truth is, I think getting out of full-time paid church ministry was one of the greatest achievements of my life. A lot of people get trapped and can't find an exit other than to crash out in disaster. Amongst the people I trained for ministry with, one man jumped off the church tower in despair, another was defrocked because he couldn't keep his hands off women, and another became an aggressive anti-church atheist. My leaving was less sensational, but I think more successful. I walked out without killing anyone, not even myself. I'm still a Christian, and I still try to fulfil my ordination vows. And Church and me, we're still good friends. Thank you for listening to episode 5. Please join me next week when I'm going to tell you how badly wrong I can be.